Hey, welcome to Assorted Goods. I am Dan Felton, your host and guide as we take a curious look at the world around us. Thank you so much for stopping by for this episode. And, you know, since it's that time of the year, I wanted to get into something holiday-themed. But in typical fashion around this podcast, it couldn't just be something wholesome and cheerful and easy. Of course not. So this time around, we're taking a look at what has become a major piece of the holiday season, a staple of our yearly routines. I'm not talking about Christmas trees or holiday movies or hearing Mariah Carey for the 10,000th time. Oh God, why won't it stop? No, this episode, we're looking at gift cards, a booming multi-billion dollar market that absolutely dominates our holiday gift giving. People buy gift cards in insane numbers. These little plastic expressions of how little energy we put into getting our loved ones something thoughtful have been the most popular gift idea for over a decade now. So, how did we get here? Why are we obsessed with gift cards? And what are the ups and downs of our favorite little wallet stuffers? Diving into the world of gift cards just in time for the holiday season, coming up here on this episode of Assorted Goods. Assorted Goods is produced by Disinformed Media in association with Verboten Productions. Promotional support comes from the Always Up Network and DeanBlundell.com. If by some miracle you haven't noticed, it's been the holiday season for what already feels like forever, since apparently the holidays start in like mid-November now, I guess. But as a result, we've all been thrown into that stress-packed state of the holiday season. You know, we rush into stores we don't want to go to. We buy gifts for everyone we know, even though some of these people we're not totally sure if they're on the gift-buying level yet to us or not. But we, of course, in the truest of holiday traditions, also rack up debt that we'll be paying off until the summer. It's truly the most wonderful time of the year. But if my cynical tone doesn't make it obvious, I get a little bit of an itch when it comes to certain topics. And since I was sitting around thinking about what to dive into in the spirit of the holiday season, my brain settled on those little plastic cards we all exchange with each other. Gift cards are just weird to me. Not even in the sense of them being kind of a low-effort gift. I just mean in their basic form, their basic concept. You know, we take money. Regular money that can be used anywhere, and then we exchange it at a store for the same amount of money that can now only be used in a specific place, and then we give it to somebody and we call it a gift. Also, apparently I learned in this process that a lot of people buy gift cards at the holidays for themselves, which is even crazier. You take money and then you give it to a store, and then you get a gift card for the same amount of money that you can now only use at that store. Complicating and like adding an extra step to the buying process? I don't understand it. If you buy your own gift cards for yourself every holiday, reach out, tell me why, give me some sort of understanding because I can't wrap my head around it. But anyways, on the flip side of all that, apparently it means more to receive a gift card from somebody than cash. Nobody wants cash for a gift. Apparently it's a really tacky thing to do, but gift cards on the other hand, totally acceptable. So as is the case quite often here on Assorted Goods, Thinking about gift cards got that itch going for me. And then I had to know all there was to know about this weird thing we do, the business behind it, you know, the why of it all. And thus, an episode was born. It's a Christmas miracle. But the gift card market is really big, like much bigger than I imagined it would be when I looked it up. 
In 2020, the gift card industry was worth over $700 billion globally. And some projections have the industry pushing the $2 trillion mark worldwide by 2027, with digital gift cards, the latest trend in retail shopping, passing a trillion dollars on their own by 2030. Whatever my opinion on the matter, the proof is in the pudding here. People love gift cards, and they apparently aren't planning on stopping buying them anytime soon, it would seem. And as much as the retail industry has had its struggles thanks to the COVID pandemic, the gift card industry on the other side has actually continued to find a lot of success. And it makes sense. People aren't going to stores as much. More shopping is being done online now. It's natural that we simplify the whole shopping gift giving process by just giving friends and family the gift of a card instead of having to buy a tangible object in the physical world. Ew, the physical world. But digital gift cards are an even more natural solution. Again, they're on the rise as well. Seeing as how then you don't even have to go out and get the little plastic card, which you could then lose or just forget about in your wallet for who knows how long. But again, gift cards are weird. Shoppers all over the globe are obsessed with gift cards too. And again, it really is global. The growth of the gift card industry in the next decade is expected to be driven by emerging economies. China and the Asia-Pacific region are actually going to be a big driver of this expected growth with rapidly expanding retail markets and online shopping businesses. And as a side note here, when I was doing a lot of this research, the numbers when researching gift cards really vary. Like you can Google it and you can dive into a whole bunch of market research and you can find a lot of different numbers for the same exact subject. And it's interesting to me in its own way since, you know, a lot of market researches often conducted by just surveying retail shoppers, which means that the numbers can actually be quite different depending on which study you read. So I'll try to keep it general, and we're really not going to focus too much on the numbers going forward, but here's some examples anyway. On an individual level, the number of shoppers who expect to buy at least one gift card this holiday season is somewhere between about 65 and 80% of shoppers. And the number of gift cards that people are expected to buy can average anywhere between about 10 to 12 cards all the way up to about 17 gift cards. And considering people spend about $20 to $25 per card, this really starts to add up. We really have this many people we have to act like we care about? Jeez. Now, in 2019, gift cards made up about 55% of the average shopper's annual gift spending. But that number, like a lot of the numbers we're going over here this episode, really varies depending on the study. But more specifically, it varies depending on where you live. Different countries have very different results when asked about the value of gift cards. For example, in India, one survey found that 96% of respondents said they would rather give gift cards than physical gifts. And that same survey found that people in India were willing to spend up to 90% of their holiday budgets just on gift cards. I mean, I'm not going to get too hung up on these numbers again, but it's crazy to think that in different places, you know, like a lot of cultural differences in the world, People see gift cards as a better solution for gift giving than actually finding objects that are personal for people. Maybe there's something to that, whether I agree with it or not. But how did we get here? You know, have we always lived in a world full of gift cards, of exchanging envelopes with a nice little note and 25 bucks to Amazon or iTunes or your local liquor store, which is very popular here in Canada, by the way? Is it possible that it's all been gift cards all along? Is anything real anymore besides the gift card? This is a simple history pit stop we're going to take here because gift cards are simply an extension of gift certificates, you know, paper documents that retailers have used dating back to the 1930s. 
Now, originally, stores wouldn't offer these as a purchasable option for shoppers. In many cases, they were only offered for special customers or upon request. Over the decades, gift certificates were used as an option for exchanges or refunds. And then in the 1970s, McDonald's came out with the idea of a holiday gift card, which at the time was a big deal and really was a foreshadowing of things to come. And people loved this idea, and McDonald's actually sold a ton of them. But at the time, the overall idea still didn't really take off. The problem was, these gift certificates were usually made of paper and were time-consuming to create, to track, and to manage for retailers. There was also the issue of forgeries, which were common, especially with the advent of colored printers into the 90s. But retailers just simply found the process of issuing these glorified versions of store credit to be too much work for pretty much no return. And because of the issues that gift certificates faced, before the 1990s, gift certificates were actually believed to be a financial burden for retailers, with the whole process actually costing stores money to run. But, like all things, there just hadn't been the right system used yet. And more importantly, businesses hadn't found a way to make gift certificates something that was profitable for them, rather than a loss. So fast forward to 1994. Department store retailer Neiman Marcus starts using plastic gift cards in their stores, but they don't advertise them to the shoppers. A couple years later, after some market research gets done, Blockbuster Video starts using them too, but they decide to actually display them in their stores after having a long history of issues with people counterfeiting their paper gift certificates. At the same time, third-party processing platforms were also being introduced, which became an essential part of the gift card industry allowing payments to be processed. Into the late 90s, other retailers started to pick things up. Macy's, The Gap, Bloomingdale's, they all introduced gift cards. Visa creates the first Visa gift card in 1999, and market projections start to indicate that there is a boom of gift cards on the horizon. I get this, in 1999, the five-year projection was that gift cards would be worth $17 billion by 2004. Now, that number would actually turn out to be really inaccurate because by 2004, the market value of gift cards was actually triple that number. In 2001, Starbucks begins using gift cards that could be reloaded and used again, which of course becomes very popular. And it's a trend that has accelerated to amazing levels in the two decades since. Starbucks always setting those trends, but it's estimated that at this present time, about one-third of Starbucks purchases involve the use of a gift card. And if you're a Starbucks drinker, you can probably guarantee that you've used a Starbucks gift card or been given one or have given one to somebody. It's a massive industry on its own. By 2002, gift cards were already a $37 billion industry. And once a couple of major retailers got on board with this trend, there was a watershed moment. Within a couple of years, gift cards were absolutely everywhere, which is not surprising. You know, the business world is often a copycat world. So with many retailers jumping aboard the gift card train, it was only a matter of time before everybody else did. So what came next was the point where retailers had to start making their gift cards stand out. And this included all sorts of things, personalized designs, the retailer-specific designs, and even actual gimmicks. Over the years, there's been all sorts of stuff. Target once sold a gift card that was also a camera. Home Depot once sold a gift card that was also a tape measurer, which is just odd. Honey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just measuring the door frame with my Home Depot gift card. Anyways, by 2006, gift cards were ranked the second most popular gift to be given. And from that point on, gift cards moved into the number one spot in the holiday season and have stayed there 
for 13, 14, 15 years in a row now and counting. They're never going to go back, apparently. (laughs) There were also the messy complications of a brand new thing. You know, retailers got into legal trouble for charging excessive and sometimes even hidden fees for the purchase of these items. This was because the gift card industry was completely unregulated at the time, as most new things often are. This, of course, opened the window for businesses to try some nefarious practices to try to skim a little extra off consumers. Luckily, into the 2000s, retailers actually got cracked down on for those extra little fees. And in 2009, in America, a law was passed that stopped gift cards from expiring in less than five years, which, again, the expiry was another way that retailers looked to kind of make off with the bag without anybody actually getting anything from them in the end. So look, the gift card trend was a major hit for the world of retail. There's no denying that. And we get it, right? I mean, they're so easy to use as gifts. You don't have to imagine what the person might think of the gift, whether or not they'll actually like it. And hey, they don't have to pretend to like it if they don't. And you don't have to worry if maybe somebody else bought them the same thing. I mean, it just avoids all that awkward social stuff that we hate. But then really, you just shift the responsibility of the thoughtfulness of a gift onto the person who's receiving the gift, and you kind of get to walk away scot-free. It really just seems so odd to me. This is kind of one of the things about gift cards that I just can't get over. Like, what is the point of giving gifts at all in this case? I'm giving you the chance to go buy yourself something. I mean, thanks, of course, but also it's just money as a gift, but slightly different and really more restricted. I don't know. I mean, what do you think of gift cards? You're listening to this right now. By now, you've probably got some thought on it. Hell, you've probably bought a bunch of them already. You're probably set up to receive a bunch of them in a few weeks as well. So I'm curious, as a listener, what are your feelings on the subject of gift cards? We'll conduct our own little market research here on the podcast. You can email me, dan at disinformed.ca. Let me know. Give me your opinions. Give me some firsthand experience, especially if you're one of those people who buys it for themselves at the holidays. I really got to know what you people are thinking. But anyways, as gift cards boomed, so did online retail, which, I mean, the two of them are a natural fit, streamlining the shopping process. Shopping in general has moved away from the grind of going to stores and looking around and being told of every store's deal of the day by an underpaid and overworked store employee who said the same sentence to every person who's come through the door. But within two decades, gift cards went from an innovative idea to a dominating piece of the whole world's shopping markets, just like that. Here in 2021, the latest numbers indicate that due to the scare of the supply shortages, the shoppers are just going with old reliable. When it comes to their holiday shopping, just make it easy and buy a gift card. And the gift cards we receive, by the way, fall into two categories. There's open loop cards, which are things like a Visa gift card that can be used anywhere. And it's just really money set and given away. Again, how is that any different than cash? And then there's closed loop, which are the ones we're more familiar with, the retailer-specific cards that we've all been given and given to others probably dozens of times at least. So, okay, you get your gift card. It's in your hands. You know what you can do with it. You get that mild reaction of, yay, thank you. Look, I swear I'm not ungrateful. I just can't help but feel the emptiness of the thought behind it. That being said, please feel free to give me a gift card for Christmas. Thank you. So, again, you get them or you give them, and then what happens next? Well. Obviously, you use them to make a purchase, but that's not always the case. Once again, we come back to the market research numbers, which here, again, are varied, but still, we'll run through some of them. 
70% of gift cards get used within six months of receiving them, according to one study. But after six months, the rate of use actually flattens out a bit. 70% get used at six months. 80% get used within a year. Seems like once you start to forget about them, then it's just harder to suddenly remember to use them. At any given time, somewhere between 10 and 20% of gift cards are simply laying around unused. Some studies suggest that about 6% of all gift cards never get used at all. A poll conducted this year found that about half of the adults in America have unused gift cards, estimating that there is about $15 billion in unused gift cards outstanding. $15 billion! Between 2005 and 2015, an estimated $46 billion in gift cards went unused, which is crazy. Millennials are also the ones who are more likely to let their gift cards go unused. That's my generation. I think I've done it before myself. I don't know. Maybe we're all just too depressed and cynical to use them. It's always possible. But this is one of those things about gift cards. I remember before I was saying that retailers needed to find a way to turn them from being a headache and a financial loss in decades past into a financial gain. Well, this is it. The business of gift cards is simple. It's a twist on cash gifts that incentivizes people to spend at a specific location. And of course, it makes gift buying easy by taking out the guesswork and the uncertainty of buying someone an actual tangible gift. As much as 6% of gift cards going unused seems like a small number, it adds up over the years. And it adds up even more as the industry continues to grow. Remember, this is money that has already been spent at the business. Technically, the purchase has already been made for them. And we all know that truthfully, these companies could care less if you ever get around to using the card. In fact, they probably prefer that you don't. Again, they've already got your money. Businesses use a concept called accrual accounting, which is that the profit of the sale of the gift card goes into the good side of the ledger at the point in which they get purchased, not when the gift card gets redeemed. Meaning, the sale of gift cards makes the profits of a business look good in the moment that they get sold. And after that, meh, oh well. And all of that unused gift card money that just floats out there, never redeemed for anything at all? Well, there's a term for that. It's called breakage income, which is income that is received by a business for literally nothing. Consumers, as if we already don't spend most of our lives giving our hard-earned cash to every business who will take it, have actually found a way to give businesses money for nothing. This is a concept that's common in things like gyms, too. Sell a membership. And then who cares if you ever actually follow through on your New Year's resolution? The money is ours until you cancel the membership. Oops. In 2017, five companies banked over $20 million in breakage income thanks to just gift cards. The kings of it? Starbucks. With $105 million in unused gift cards, the equivalent of 57 million cups of coffee. Again, given to them in exchange for literally nothing in the end. Pure, unhindered profit. Mmm, sweet deal, man. Now, there's also the research that's been done on purchases made with gift cards. 75% of purchases made with a gift card exceed the amount on the card. And we've all been there before. You get a $50 gift card, you buy something worth more because it makes you feel like you're getting this more expensive item for dirt cheap. But on the business side of things, think about it. One consumer buys an item and then gives it to another consumer who then shows back up at the business to spend more money. And according to one study, 
34% of gift card recipients actually will shop at a store they've never been to before because of the gift card, which kind of makes sense, really, because what else are you going to do if it's only redeemable in one place, right? Now, another study found that shoppers spend on average $59 more than the value of their gift cards. And shoppers who use gift cards are two and a half times more likely to pay full price for an item. So you can see there's kind of a multifaceted approach here for businesses. Gift cards are a way to really incentivize you to spend more, turning money into more money. It's like magic, man. But simply put, businesses found a way to make a profit off gift cards finally themselves with either their fees or waiting for them to expire or get lost. And also, the cards themselves incentivize people to show up. So where does this all leave us? Questioning our holiday gift ideas? Am I making you rethink a purchase you made? Are you feeling guilty about not picking something more personal for that special someone? Well, you should feel bad. I can't. But still, it makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? I hope so. Otherwise, why am I making this show? But at this point, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, there's more to gift cards than meets the eye, including a darker side. That's right. And I have to ask the most basic question when it comes to gift cards and just gifts in general, which is, why do we feel the need to buy all these things? Even fairly empty gifts like gift cards. Continuing to dissect a mainstay of our holiday experience, coming up after the break. In the meantime, here are some messages from fellow indie podcasters who just might be your next favorite podcast. So stick around, have a listen, and Assorted Goods will be right back. We are the ladies of Spark My Interest podcast. My name is Diana. I'm Deborah. I'm Jesse. Sometimes our content is shocking. The church blew up. <gasps> Other times it's hilarious. Did he do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing it always is, is interesting. That's how they decided? I had Based no on the moon? So tune in every Monday for a new episode and get sparked. Hello and welcome to Field Off Screens, the sports movie podcast. I yeah. really enjoyed this. Me too. I thought it was really funny. And yeah, me too. Each week, me, David Kifford, the sports guy, and James Rowling. Hello there, movie guy here. The movie guy. We watch a movie and talk about said movie. And of course, they are all sports movies. It was awful. Awful. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah, well, how's, your... Yeah, how's your yeah, family? Was... You will lose. Is he Scottish uh, in it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says, I mean, it's not hit the heights of his um, <laughs> Viagra adverts. That is all I could think of. I was not really convinced at her efforts. We'll, we'll go into detail after that, I think. Okay, all right. Um, uh, I found it a bit boring. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the most engrossing watch. <laughs> so, so thanks for listening to this podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you for the next episode. I would say I have got what I would consider some entertaining content to bring up. <laughs> anyway, Never mind. sorry about that, everyone. There's always next year. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) 
Hey, welcome back to Assorted Goods. We are diving into the world of gift cards this episode, forcing you to rethink your holiday gift ideas. Don't worry, you can still stuff stockings with them and give them to people who you don't really know much about. They'll still like them as a gift. Don't worry. While I was recording this episode, I ran a Twitter poll on the question of whether or not gift cards are considered a good gift. The results, as of right now, 27 votes, 70% say yes. The response seems to be that people actually like to pick out their own gifts. But friends have also said that they do feel like they are very impersonal things to be given. I can see both sides of it really, but hey, Assorted Goods has done its own market research and therefore this is as legitimate as any of the other numbers we've thrown around here this episode. So okay, we talked about how gift cards got so big by making gift buying much easier and through the boom of retailers offering gift card options in the early 2000s. And we also touched on how businesses have parlayed that boom of gift cards into making money in exchange for nothing, or by incentivizing shoppers to spend a little more afterwards. But the fun part of diving into topics is always to find out the extra stuff, you know, the weirder side of things. Ooh, uh, it's always right up my alley. But gift cards actually do have a bit of a darker side. Dun, 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 the dark side of gift cards. An expose from the Assorted Goods podcast. It's not really that serious, but still, this intermediary money that we've created for the expressed use of buying goods do have a bit of a flaw to them. You know, regular money belongs to people either in a physical sense, you know, you have a wad of cash on your person, or you have money in a secure account with a bank that you spend with a card that you have, for example, protected by a password or PIN. And, you know, if you lose your card, you can always cancel it right away and deactivate it from any future purchases. But gift cards, they only really need to be bought and then activated to be used. And they are completely transferable. Anyone can use an active gift card. That's the whole point of the gift card. I mean, could you imagine you give somebody something and then there's like a transfer of ownership for the gift card? Would never have taken off as an idea. The ease of use is one of its central features. It's not attached to an account or user profile, unless it's a digital gift card, which may be a bit of a fix for some of these issues. But anyways, because of that ease of use, gift cards have actually been used in a lot of criminal schemes in the past couple of decades. Get this. In the 1990s, Mexican drug cartel kingpin El Chapo had a bit of a problem. After members of his cartel laundered their money, they were still being caught when drug-sniffing dogs were able to detect cocaine residue on some of the bills. His solution? Buy a shit ton of prepaid debit cards, the plastic being much easier to clean off than paper bills, then simply withdraw the money from the cards. This, of course, requires certain financial institutions to honor these cash value cards, but as we know now, there are plenty of banks happy to ignore the source of certain incomes. Also, gift cards, like we touched on earlier, were a new thing, especially in the 90s, which meant that crossing borders with them wasn't technically illegal in any sense because there was no laws about them yet. Wads of cocaine-dusted cash? That's an issue. Smaller wads of plastic cards? Not really illegal at the time. This created a serious headache for border security and financial crimes divisions of law enforcement who needed legislation passed in order to enforce the same limits on gift cards as there are to cash when crossing borders. From what I found, though, it was well known over a decade ago that gift cards were being heavily used in money laundering schemes. And yet, in 2016, from all the research I was able to do, a proposal to change laws that would actually limit the amount of money that can be transported across borders on these prepaid cards 
was ditched. Why? Because of backlash from the gift card industry. Ah, it's a story as old as time in government, isn't it? Make a law, get shot down by a big industry. It's just what makes society so great. And from what I can tell, nothing has ever actually been done about the issue since. You know, is the big gift card industry corrupted by drug cartels? Have we uncovered a massive conspiracy? Maybe. I don't actually know. But there are a couple of ways prepaid cards can be used to launder money. You can simply buy them with dirty cash and then withdraw on them later. Or you can buy them and then purchase goods with them, then sell those goods later, and now your money has been cycled. Beyond the drug cartels of the world buying thousands of gift cards, there's also the regular petty thieves of the world using their own schemes. There have been multiple busts over the decades, including one just a few months ago in the States where four culprits were arrested for amassing over 5,000 gift cards and scams. People also steal credit cards, and in the window between the theft and the victim realizing their card's been stolen and having it shut down, the thieves will buy as many gift cards as possible to essentially launder their stolen money on the spot. Gift card crime also stems into the simple schemes of the world, catfishing on dating apps where someone tricks an unsuspecting romantic match into sending gift cards and then ghosting them. And here in Canada, at least, we get scam calls year-round that ask for debts to be settled by sending Amazon gift cards to someone who's usually posing as a member of the government revenue agency. These are the kind of scams that are typically aimed at taking advantage of confused older people who don't understand what's being asked of them. And then there's the cybercrime side of it. People will hack into email accounts after a password gets leaked or stolen, and then they'll scan emails for gift card codes that can be stolen and redeemed. The growth of digital gift cards make this a more viable scheme for criminals. But then there's also the issue of delivery. I mean, think about it. You steal a gift card that's in an email, so you're going to have to buy something online with it pretty much. But how do you buy something online and then have it delivered to an address without getting caught? I mean, you can have it delivered to the victim's address and then steal it upon arrival. That's a bit of a risky venture. Or you can have it sent somewhere else and have that address at risk of being connected back to you, the criminal. Oh, geez. It's tough being a gift card criminal. You know, nobody ever sympathizes with that group. Whatever the preferred gift card scam of choice, it all starts in the same place. In the shuffle of creating an economy of money that is just repurposing regular money, a criminal element has cropped up unsurprisingly. Again, gift cards allow the movement and use of funds with anonymity, no need for an account or identification, and they are still easy to use to circumvent border restrictions too, since the industry, for some reason, didn't want these border loopholes to be closed. So when you open your little gift cards this holiday season, remember, you could be laundering a lot of money with those cards. You know, it's always the opportunities we don't take in life that haunt us. Now, There's just one last part of this topic I wanted to scratch the itch on. The simple aspect of why do we buy these things? It's the holiday season, and it's the time of the year where we get swept up in this strange sort of cultural whirlwind. It's about family and being with loved ones and celebrating the year behind us and taking time to enjoy the simple things in life. But it's also about spending more money than you have on a boatload of consumer goods. It's really the season of buying more than it's the season of giving. Because, you know, what you do with it after you buy it doesn't really matter to a bottom line. So this is where that itch came back for me a little bit. And I wondered to myself, why gift cards? I mean, why gifts at all, really? But specifically, why is this industry of little plastic cards with a logo on it so appealing? 
just a couple decades in, it's already a nine-figure industry. And in the next decade, it's supposed to pass a trillion dollars. I mean, it's so appealing to the point that it's become one of the most dominant forms of gifts on the planet. Look, we give each other gifts because it's tradition, for sure. Christmas has come a long way since its pagan roots centuries ago. But however we slice things now, it's got a lot to do with the exchange of gifts. And it's not some super secret point to make. It really is a simple piece of human interaction. We give gifts to show people that we care about them. It's a social cue. We want our loved ones to feel like we are thinking of them and value them. We want to participate in office secret Santas so we can be a part of the group, even if the gifts can be a little strange at times. Social signaling is a big part of just about everything we do as people. Gift giving is no different in that regard. We do things for other people because it's an ingratiating scheme. We're animals, and we want to signal to others that we care about them, and in the process, aim to establish a mutual relationship with them. I mean, duh, right? It's like one of the basic things about being human. But the complexities come in when you have to determine who is on that gift-buying level, and then to what level or value they measure up. It's probably why it's so common for people to agree on a dollar limit when it comes to gifts. You know, we wouldn't want a pair of people to drastically differ on how much they quote-unquote value each other. That could be a little bit awkward. Then there's the reality of our finances, our debts, whether or not we can afford to be as generous as we'd like to each year, and if we can, how generous. According to studies, about 40% of shoppers will have holiday debt that takes months to pay off, and some families even have debt that goes back years thanks to the holidays. Ah, that's what the holiday season is all about now, isn't it? In 1993, economist Joel Waldfogel wrote an article titled The Deadweight Loss of Christmas. Sounds cheery, doesn't it? But in this article, he talked about a study he had done with students at Yale University, where the students guessed the value of the gifts they were given, and on average, guessed about 90% of the item's value. Now, that 10% difference, Waldfogel argued, accounts for billions in, quote, dead value between what's being spent on gifts and how valuable people think they are. Interesting argument? I don't know, really. Do you think that makes sense? Honestly, I'm not totally sure. It sounds more like a game of the price is right and that people don't have common knowledge of the price of consumer goods. But the argument he was actually making in the end is that the best gift to give someone in order to match the value of what they think it is is, of course, cash. A 2019 study revealed that 60% of shoppers felt that they would rather give a physical gift to someone. But on the flip side, 60% said they would rather receive a gift card. As impersonal as they are, people simply like getting gift cards for the same reason we always have. We like the idea of being able to choose our own purchases. And as the studies we touched on earlier said, when we do make purchases, more often than not, we buy something bigger and take a chunk out of the total cost with the gift card amount. But again, Why a gift card, but not cash? I mean, these are essentially the same things in principle. And it's one of the central questions that I wondered about when researching this episode. You know, we can spend cash anywhere, but we seem to prefer these restricted forms of money that direct us to buy from just a certain place. And then I found this one point that made it come together for me. The difference between cash and a gift card is exactly that. The freedom of being able to spend cash anywhere opens the possibility of spending it on anything. 
meaning it could be spent on something that's not for personal enjoyment, something like the essentials of life. You may opt to spend a cash gift on paying a phone bill or paying your rent or buying a pack of cigarettes. It's not really going to be spent on something that brings you enjoyment, like the giver of the gift maybe intended you to do so. Gift cards essentially convert regular money into something explicitly for the purpose of being exchanged for an item at a specific location. Again, for the purpose of you, the receiver, getting something that you can enjoy. I could give my girlfriend $100 cash, or I could give her a $100 Sephora gift card, and she can go and buy the things she likes and uses instead of just having a lump of money going into, say, a bank account or, you know, a wad of cash. I mean, how romantic. But it's kind of an underwhelming conclusion to draw, but it really comes back to being that simple. Gift cards are, like so many things in our free market world, but they're pretty much a psychological trick. Gift cards take regular old money and turn it into something that feels like a gift. It feels like a different kind of money that's not really money, but it is, but it isn't, you know? It's a brilliant idea, really. An added layer to the world of shopping that seems to benefit everybody. Shoppers have their stress-packed gift-buying experience simplified by these easy-to-find and easy-to-give and easy-to-use cards. The businesses basically sell a good that costs them nothing because, again, it's simply exchanging money for money. And in the process, they may make a little extra on fees or even more when people never use the cards again. Or they do make more when people do use the cards and then buy something even bigger than the card's value. And criminal enterprises have a new way to launder money and scammers have another scam to run. You see, this is in the spirit of the holiday season. Everybody's happy. God bless the gift card. Look, honestly, I'm probably in that hypocritical group of people who both don't like gift cards very much, but also happily accept them every time. I'd rather give an actual gift than a gift card. And truthfully, I'd rather receive an actual gift too, whether it's the perfect gift or not. The two decades of gift card presents have made me actually want to be surprised by a thoughtful gift. Maybe the issue is we're picky jerks who are judgmental when people actually do put in the thought and effort and we think, oh, I wish it was something else. It's not the right thing. But there is something different about the reaction you get from someone and the feeling that you get too when you give or receive a gift that is genuinely nice and thoughtful. We all know that. There's no arguing that a real tangible gift has a different effect. Gift cards are a massive industry, and we know now that they're only getting more popular. They make sense in a lot of ways, even if the overall concept of them can be a little confusing. But in the end, I still feel like they're impersonal. Practical? Yes, very, absolutely. But when it comes to buying gifts and showing people how much we value them, especially during the holidays, Shouldn't we be putting a little more thought into showing the value that we have for other people? If we're going to have a cultural standard of giving gifts to each other, can we at least make an effort to think of each other beyond, hey, here, spend a little money on you? I don't know. Maybe I'm being cynical. It's very possible. In fact, it's probably guaranteed. It's one of my more charming characteristics. Either way, we've had the chance to dive into a modern-day holiday tradition. Now get out there and buy those gift cards and tell your loved ones all you learned about them from this podcast. And of course, have a happy holidays. All right, that's it for this episode of Assorted Goods. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. What are your thoughts on gift cards? I mean, 
I don't imagine there's some divisive cultural movement one way or the other, but still, I am curious. Reach out to me and send me an email at dan at disinformed.ca or go to disinformed.ca and hit the contact page to send your thoughts. If you want to follow the show on the socials, you can follow me and Assorted Goods on Twitter and Instagram. The handle on both of the platforms is at disinformeddan. You can also find show notes for this episode and a list of the sources used for the information in this episode on disinformed.ca slash assortedgoods. So check those out for that little extra bit of information you need to impress your loved ones this holiday season with your big knowledge of gift cards. I'm sure they'll love it. If you want to support Assorted Goods, all I ask is that you subscribe to the show on your app of choice. And of course, tell a friend about it. The music for this episode was created and produced by my brother, David Felton. Thank you, brother, as always. And credit for the information used in this episode goes to the journalists, academics, writers, editors, and everyone involved in keeping people like me informed so I can provide people like you with a quality show. Consider supporting quality content wherever you can. Thank you for listening. Take care of each other out there, and I will see you next time here on Assorted Goods.